In today's episode, I sit down with Charles from Aloha Dungeon Crawl, and we talk about consequences in Dungeons and & Dragons and much more, so stay tuned. In addition, today's episode is sponsored by Roaming Player Gear. Roaming Player Gear provides interactive gaming components such as dice towers at a great value. What I love about their products is that you could use it for multiple games. Whether you're playing Pathfinder or Warhammer, they have a product just for you. In addition, they provide free shipping to all states. So if you want to check out Roaming Player Gear or you want to recommend it for a friend of yours, be sure to also give them this discount code, Roaming20. That's Roaming, R-O-A-M-I-N-G, two zero. You get a 20% discount at checkout on all final products. So if you want to get a sweet gift for your dungeon master, or your game master, or you want to gift yourself with something, use Roaming20 at checkout. Three, two, one. Charles, we're live, man. How you doing, bud? How's it going, brother? Dude, it's going well. Um, can't complain. It's a beautiful day out here in Charlotte, North Carolina. I know that you are in the great state of Texas. So. Austin, Texas, repping the ATX currently. There you go, man. And folks, for the audience out there, you have probably seen him before many a times on my um, on conversations we've had. I've referenced him before as the Hawaiian Gygax because he is a plethora and encyclopedia of knowledge, um, but I've, I can call him my dear friend and my brother. And this is Charles. He is a professional DM or game master if you really want to go old school. Um, he's a professional DM and crafter as well. You, you can see him as Aloha Dungeon Crawl. And like I said, he is one of these old school gamers that has been able to marry the new school flavor of, you know, what you see is popular nowadays, which is big role playing and really big theatrical things. But keep it old school with keeping it simple, keeping, you know, gaming at the core. So Charles, it's always good to have you, man. I, I appreciate you coming on. Um, one thing we were talking about earlier is um, consequences and character deaths. And we, we were having this brilliant conversation. And one thing I always want to ask uh, guests and want to ask folks is, you know, from, and, and again, to carry on that conversation is, from a character, from a perspective as a professional DM, how do you see consequences? Like, do you dish them out? Do you think that consequences are something that a DM should be dishing out, or is it just something that should naturally occur? Well, first off, brother Aloha, and thank you for having me uh, as a guest. I, I appreciate it greatly, and send the deepest mahalo to you. Um, but I absolutely uh, think consequences are a pivotal factor in any role-playing game. Mm -hmm. um, it is a role-playing game, but, you know, the RP seems to be centermost in everybody's forefront, but the game part is the, uh, it, it's not just mechanics. I mean, in any game, Monopoly, uh, video games, whatever, there's a, uh, a win-lose scenario. For and sure. so that has to be, uh, a central part of 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 characters and what drives them and motivate them motivates them the fact that they could pass away from going on a quest you know or that yeah they they mouthed off to the wrong person in town and so you know now no one's going to talk to them out of fear for that person you know or that person could be a potential great ally if they if they role play it right and you brought up something of like 
you know, the potential ally. This could be a, this could even be a villain depending on how you interact with them. Absolutely. Um, the, the, the one thing I've, I've seen, uh, a lot of people like running like modules and things like that, and that's fun, you mm -hmm. know, but uh, the, the thing that I do in my, my games is I try to make it like a living, breathing world where, you know, the characters' decisions, the things that they uh, choose to embark or don't choose to embark on uh, shape the world around them, you know, for the negative or for the better, depending on how they do and what they do. You know, if, if they say, well, we don't care about the goblins that are attacking the town, we're going to go after the Death Knight. What happens to the town that the goblins are attacking? You know, do, does another group of adventurers come? And in that way, it's, it's not cause and consequence, but there is consequence for what they've caused. So I guess it is cause and consequence. No, you know, no, you would be right. And, and, and again, I ask this because I mean, we've had this conversation for the folks out there who are just tuning in and tuning in really to and being really introduced to you. You've been playing since second edition, correct? Yeah, I've been playing for the last 30 years. And not only have you been playing D&D, but you've played a plethora of other games, oh, correct? Oh, man. I, I cut my teeth when I was 11 years old on the Palladian um, Rifts uh, Robotech. And then I started playing second ed D&D. This was in 91 or 92. And mm -hmm. I've just played kind of everything since, you know, I even role play Monopoly whenever I sit down with folks to, to play, you know, I'm like, oh, the little man in the hat is going to get Park Place. <laughs> you know, so you it's- to, You should, man. Why not? Yeah, you know, it's it, it, it doing fun stuff like that. Even when I played Magic the Gathering, all my decks had themes and I was that annoying guy that, you know, oh, I guess I'm just a little elf. I'm going to run behind the enemy lines and give you a stab and oh, one point of damage. Okay, yeah, my turn's over. You know? <laughs> But that's awesome though, dude. Like, you know, you've had, like you said, 30 plus years of, ex of gaming experience where it really, and this is where I, I become a little, I, I tip my hat off. I don't have a hat, but I tip my hat to you where it's like, you've been playing for 30 years and professionally now you are running these games. I know you're running like, I think like three or four games at minimum a week, if I'm not mistaken. Since, co since COVID happened, I've been running about, I was running five games at one point and then my wife told me I had to cut back. So now it's, it's down to three. So, <laughs> so, okay. So if, you know, pre COVID five games and post COVID or during COVID three games. So still a lot, that's still a it's lot. A lot. More than... It's a whole lot. And, and again, how, how, um, how long is each session average? Uh, it usually depends. Um, Mostly the people that I, I game with are, are, are mostly local people. Mm -hmm. And it's, uh, you know, people that are essential workers. Uh, three of my players are nurses and I'm running two games for them. Uh, the main one that we do every week is on uh, Thursdays from like 7 to 10.30-ish. There's another one on Sundays that we do from maybe about 2 to 8. Okay. And then Friday nights I play from with a group in New Mexico that we play from, I want to say about seven o'clock till about maybe midnight or one in the morning. So, oh, wow. So you're playing, you're averaging, you know, four to six hours for the most part. Yeah. And again, man, that's something that a lot of folks who are professional DMs that are, again, that's, it, it's kind of, it's, it's a cool term. I honestly think it's a new, it's a new role, quote unquote, or position within the industry that there is a need, right? There's a need for good DMs to create a party or to at least facilitate the game 
for people who are hungry for a DM? It's, it's a position I never thought would have existed. If you would have told me in junior high or high school that, mm-hmm. you know, I could be making money off of playing d and I would have, you know, I would have eaten your hat that you're not wearing, you know, but it's one of those that it, it, uh, it, it is, it's, it's really new. And there's been a very much kind of like a resurgence that I found, like, uh, you know, I think Stranger Things kind of kicked it off a bit. But, you know, definitely from my experience, I found a lot more people got into it after Lord of the Rings came out. Uh, the young kids that played Pokemon evolved to magic, and then they went from magic to, what is this D&D? And then anime has become more sh- mainstream. But yeah. there there's definitely seems to be like this 80s resurgence kind of happening, even with a lot of the music, like uh, the weekend uh, blinding lights, you know, totally sounds like I could listen to some Duran Duran after that. You know, now I'm saying how old I am, so I should probably stop. No, but, you're fine, man, because it's actually you're you're accurate in that regard where a lot there there's a reflection point, right? There's there's the resurgence of He-Man, um, you know, Ke- uh, Kevin Smith is leading that charge for Netflix. Right. There's that. Um, I mean, well, the Dark Crystal had a game out again on Netflix. And as much as people didn't watch it, man, I loved it. It took me back to when I was a kid, which is one of the great things about Dungeons and Dragons. You know, just I had my G.I. Joes. I had my He-Man, my Transformers, and I would just create elaborate worlds with all of them, even as a kid. And, you know, when you get a new player who's never played D&D and you can have them just through your ability to tell a story for them to be able to build a story up in their head. And then they start asking you questions like, well, what about this? What about that? I, I assume it's like, cause I don't have kids, but I assume it's like when you're introducing a child to something fun and, and yeah. they have, are just elated by it. You know, they're, they're just passionate and they want to just do more, you know, which is, yeah, it's, it's, it's amazing. It's a lot of fun. And, and that's how I feel like being a DM is you are, and, and being a world builder DM, mind you, mm-hmm. because I feel like you could be a world builder as a player. And some people, I, some people I've agreed with and disagreed with on this term, and it's okay to agree and disagree and still be friends. You can still always, um, but I, I personally think that there are, there's two different roles, right? There's the DM and then there are the players. You can be a world builder in both. You can be a world builder as the DM which that's going to be building the skeleton, so to speak, building the framework of how your world works, you know, figuring out things like, oh, what does this country do? And how does this culture work? How does time work, right? What's the seasons looking like? What are the holidays? But your players can do that too. They can say, hey, you know what? I come from this country that is like this. And we do this, 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 and that. And this is our kind of and they can do that as a player and they can collaborate with their, um, they can collaborate with their, uh, with their dungeon master or their game master. And it doesn't necessarily have to be Dungeons and Dragons, but I find it more evident in Dungeons and Dragons where this is, this happens more often. There's so many RP rich games out there. Um, one of my absolute favorite, uh, it, from their world building standpoint that they, they did was um, the old school Vampire the Masquerade. I haven't had a chance to pick up the new edition that came out, but I haven't yet. Just the openness of like creating characters. Like, yeah, I mean, you know, the world, you know, the, the, the world we live in, but yep. here's their dark take, you know, 
and yeah. just just that ability to to make a character like oh i want to play a debutante from southern bell era who's a malkavian yep. or a gangrel and just come up with this backstory and how you fit in with the, the the city that your your person's running and the same thing could you know is 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 more than applicable to to dungeons and dragons we're like yeah i want to play a goliath that's been raised by dwarves or an elf that was raised by a sea hag or and now i'm uh, have a pay uh, fay pact with her or something bizarre, you know, and the DM's like, okay, that, that's a good idea. How are we going to work together to make this a thing? Or like one, um, of, my, one of my first characters that uh, was my first or second, that was a dragonborn paladin that was raised by dwarves. That's cool. Yeah. Cause the, the story was that his father and his foster father fought together and he's, his father died. Mm. So he was raised by dwarves. I, I like that, and I do that often with a lot of my characters as well. The The problem I, I've come with that is when the world has certain mechanics and certain things set up. Again, we were talking about consequences earlier. Yeah. Like, um, one of the things that happened in fourth and happened in third a lot is they were just kind of mass producing books. So they had all these options for people to play just really, I don't want to say weird, but just kind of more bizarre things. So if, if you walk in with a bunch of Genazi and undead mm -hmm. and, you know, monstrous races as part of your party, like, yeah, we're all going to play bugbears. Let's go to the human village. The human village is going to be like, uh, uh, what are the consequences of that going to be? You know, there's an invasion. Yeah, yeah. Gonna, everybody wants to play the rogue that goes to the corner and just sulks. Well, that's yeah. cool. Who's how are you going to find out where the party is? You know, where, where's the adventure? If everyone you know goes into the corner and just sits and broods and wants you to ask them about their backstory, you know, they're like, okay, you're here drinking. Me too. I just got a long day of work. Yeah. You know, so it's one of those like <laughs> yeah, again, consequence. It, it, consequence isn't always a negative thing. You know, like exactly. a consequence when I craft is that, yeah, now I have some terrain that I can use for a game or the consequence of me telling a story for my players is hopefully they'll enjoy it or they'll have feedback to make it better, you yeah. know. But you, you brought it, something up too that I really, <clears throat> excuse me, that I really thought was, was, was important and it was with the rogue, right? You can't just mm -hmm. be in the corner brooding. It would be kind of funny because at the NPC, it's like, oh, how's your day going? My father and my mother died tragically. And, and it's just like, <laughs> oh, okay, I'm going to go back to my ale now. Thank you. Yeah. Like, <laughs> All right, got my own problems. Don't want to hear yours, buddy. Yeah, but, you know, it, and on a, <laughs> on a serious note, it's like, okay, how are you supposed to be a part of that collaborative storytelling adventure if, you know, you decide, it's that balance, right? It's always finding that balance. One of the hard things I found as a DM is saying, saying no and saying yes. Okay. Uh, and I know that sounds really kind of, you know, a strange thing, but like, you know, I really want my players to play a character that they want to play. I want them to play something that they are going to enjoy. Um, one of my rules at the table, uh, unless we're running that kind of game, but for the most part, I don't, is I, I, I don't, I don't like enjoy running evil games. So like, you know, I want to play chaotic evil, you know, Hexblade that, you know, sacrifices to Asharath. I'm like, no, 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 let's, you can play Hexblade, but let's figure out how, you know. And yeah. uh, 
yeah, there are no tabaxi in this world. I want to play a tabaxi. Okay, well, there, there aren't. So how are we going to do this? You know, like, yeah. it's like um, Dark Sun. Dark Sun typically doesn't have, like, a priest. You know, the gods are yeah. silent and fallen dead. Perfect. A lot of the old races are gone. Stuff like gnomes. Gnomes yeah. don't exist in the world. Orcs yeah. and stuff like that. And in 4th Ed, uh, they had a really interesting thing. Like, what if a player really wants to play a gnome? Well, why not have them plane shifted from another plane of existence onto that world and be the only gnome in the world? And how are they going to get home is their story. Or like, um, yeah, or I've been asleep hour. like Rip Van Winkle style. I've been asleep for like 10,000 years and oh my God, my back hurts. <laughs> well, think about this too. What, what would happen if you were the only elf, let's say, right? And you like, you're a high, you know, high elf, noble, like, just cream of the crop, so to speak. And you're the only elf in Dark Sun. Mm. And people have heard like, oh, elves are, you know, have this amazing sight and they have this amazing X, Y, Z. And because as we both know, you know, spoiler warning, Dark Sun deals with some dark topics like slavery and things of that nature. There might be some factions who say, you know what? Elves can be used for slave labor or elves or, hey, you know what? This king really wants his daughter to marry an elf because then what's go- it's going to make his descendancy extremely strong. They'll be a half elf and the legends of half elves are so, you know, whatever. What's that consequence like, right? What's, mm-hmm. What is that like? And, and from a world builder perspective, from a deep, you know, professional DM perspective, we, we, we kind of, we think about that and we say, huh, how is the player going to react to this? How are they going to respond to this? And then in turn, how are the NPCs? Because mm-hmm. let's be honest, we're role-playing the NPCs. We're every NPC. We, we take the, the, you know, the culture of that world, whether it's a nation or a city or a village, we inhabit that culture. We inhabit that persona. And we almost speak for everyone there. And a lot of times we do it from both perspectives, like the yeah. consequence of the player being married off if they say yes and they say no. Well, I'm sure there's a group that doesn't want that to happen and a group that absolutely wants that to happen. Yep. So, you know, if the characters are interacting with both people and both people have to make the case, you have to be able to pull from what that case would be from both perspectives. Oh, it, it will be a reign of terror or it will ensure our legacy for a thousand generations, you know, kind of thing. Yep. Yeah. You brought up a good point too, where it's like, okay, what happens if, you know, like the loyalists, right? Like you've always heard throughout history, like there were loyalists to the, to the crown. And then there were anti, you know, anti-monarch, monarchist, excuse me. And all this crazy stuff. The American revolution. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. There, you know, the, the patriots and the loyalists, like Mm -hmm. there's always going to be that in D and D and whatever, and, and really any game that you play. Yeah. And you don't have the, the, the ability to go a hundred years into the future, you know, cause it's the victors that write the history for the most part, but sure. as a DM and as a player, you're kind of in the moment. So you're not going to see the long-term effects of what happened unless, 
you know, all right, this is what happened. This section of the game is over. Everyone make new characters. We're going to go 300 years in the future, which is something I have done for, for groups. But that's one of those things that you let the players know that a lot of what, yeah, this is the start and stop point of what you guys do. And that's more like long-term world building in a different type of game. That's when, you know, you're, you're playing a game that is, you know, supposed to take place over a long period of time and not just, you know, episode of the week, you know, adventure to adventure. And those can be a lot of fun, but you know, it's one of those that all the players have to be on board with it. Everybody wants to, and then, oh yeah, I'm so-and-so's descendant and I'm back again and I look just like him. Yeah, that's happened lots of times too. Sure, absolutely. You know, oh, I'm playing the twin, my twin brother who's bending me. Like, I have 15 twin brothers, so each time I die, I'll be back. (laughs) Exactly. Like, it happens. You know, and and that's the thing. As long as you've all communicated that and talked about it and everyone's cool with it, why not have it? And that's that's the biggest biggest thing of a game is communication. Uh, Communication and expectations, both as a DM and as a player. As a as a player, you have to have expectations. Go into a game and say, these are the things I don't like. I don't like excessive cruelty to children. I don't like excessive cruelty to women. I don't like, you know, torture and stuff like that. So my expectation going into the game is I don't want that. And then the DM is like, well, my expectation is I run kind of Ravenloft horror style games where there are some things that are horrific. Um let's figure out what will work and what won't work. Yeah. And just that talking and that conversation is the base of world building yep. because both of you have your expectations on the table and you're building it together. Even, and again, it's, it's never all me, all you, it's a give and take, you know, it's, I don't want to say compromise because compromise someone always usually feels like they're getting the short end of the stick. But mm-hmm. it's, it's collaborative. It's a collaborative role-playing game, not only just with the players and the DM, but like, you know, the DM and the players, you have to collaborate with them. You know, I, I've never been a fan of these ty- tyrannical DMs that are like my world, my story. And like, you know, you, and you just feel like you're an observer in their game, which is, I guess, one of the reasons why I'm, I, I don't play modules a lot. I mean, they're fun and I enjoy them, but I have to be like, oh, I'm not going to do anything. So I have nothing set up. So this week we're doing a module. Yay. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I, I, I like using modules as a way to introduce players to a story. Mm. But I compl- I read the module, I use what I like from it, and I go from there. Like, I, I hate to say it like that, but like it's, Eberron. Eberron yeah. is one of my favorite mm-hmm. areas. I know you and I have talked about oh, yeah. it before. And it's like, why not? Like, why not have this magic technology that's just this badass, cool- That's great you know, whatever you want to, you know, insert the word, but I'll use that. And the way I've used it, I've talked about it before is like through a planescape, right? Is the meant you, okay, I don't have anything prepared or we're taking a break in this arc, kind of like an ant, kind of like an anime where you have a filler, like, Mm -hmm. all right, the filler arc now is Eberron where, okay, now you get exposed to the world. I get to take a bit of a mental break from world building, which it's not a mental break. It's more of like, I just need to like sit down and write stuff because I, I don't know about you. And actually this is probably a good segue um, with, you know, with using modules, it kind of gives you a break to write. How do you write for as a professional DM? Because I'm assuming your world, your homebrewing everything, correct? Yes. Uh, as a professional DM for players that 
are coming in and just want like a, an experience. Mm -hmm. I, I have several things kind of already written up. Okay. Um, with, with several, several outcomes. Like I have a, um, kind of like, and I introduce them like, okay, so I have like kind of a pirate world that you guys can play in where it's high seas adventure. Uh, if you like anime, I have like a goblin slayer kind of world with adventures guild and you know, you can go here and get stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I just have all these different kind of worlds set up, you know, like, um, for what they, what they want to do. And I have the adventures for those basically, written with stuff if the characters want to go left or right you know kind of like a choose your own adventure book the book sure. is written you just pick which one you want to do yeah but for the games that are long term that i run and that i run uh for the groups that i i, I play with i i kind of do like a a bare bones like i'll create the world i'll create like different stuff that's going on in the world and then just kind of drop the players in the town with a full description of the town and you know what the town is and the people and then wherever they want to go and explore i kind of just go with them you know yeah. like there, there are things happening over here but if they choose not to do that then it's going to resolve itself in some way or the other either the village is going to burn or they'll get saved by the kindly gold dragon who is flying by and takes interest and then that's another thing um but that's that's kind of the key that says huh I yeah. can maybe exploit these people, and yeah. now the character, now the players have to deal with that as a consequence. Oh, going back to or was that the was that the thing all along? Was Ooh. the dragon really wanting to do that to get the village on his side so he could get the the secrets? power stone or whatever that's hidden beneath the cemetery and needs workers to get it for him because there's a spell that won't let him do it. Yeah, I mean, there's all these riffing ideas that you can do to kind of build that world out and do that. And that that's essentially what I do. Like I have notebooks and notebooks and notebooks just full of just ideas for just like little things like that. Like, okay, here's the town. This is what's happening. This is what happens if they do. This is what happens if they don't. And a lot of times it's, you know, like I'll go back through notebooks like, okay, well, oh, wow, that's a great idea. And that works perfectly in this game and in this scenario. So I don't know. I need to be better organized, I guess. <laughs> well, but that's the thing though, man. Like there's, you know, there's a, there's reason to the madness, as they say. Mm -hmm. Like I, I, I'm the type of person that has multiple notebooks I write everything down. I kind of work through it in my head. I'll scratch off things. And then when I'm ready to pretty much go into phase two, which is, you know, basically preparing, which I don't know how, how long you take to prepare, dude, I just transfer over to like a OneNote or to a, you know, a, a Word document or a Google, whatever, and go from there. I guess for me, I am always preparing. And I don't mean that in a way that's like egotistical or that, but or you're like, prepared. if if I'm, if I'm eating dinner, I'm, I'm thinking about the game in some way, you know, if I'm playing Skyrim, I'm like, Oh, well, okay, cool. You know, fallout. Yeah. I'm thinking, Oh, this is kind of interesting, you know, and it's not necessarily so much like, you know, taking story ideas from them, but it's like, Oh, wow, that snow looks really cool. In this part of the world where the characters are going, how am I going to make this more believable for them? And mm -hmm. maybe not the game that I'm playing, but for any future adventure like how can i get that aesthetic that i'm going through right now like if you're at a concert and the energy of the concert so 
palpable. You can feel it. You know, the singers on stage has your attention and everyone in the concert is just happy and just enjoying it. You know, even if it's a mosh pit, you know, just that's that energy that's going there. How can you take that and put it into an emotion that people sitting around a table can feel? And I don't know. That's, I, I guess that's, that's something I kind of always have done my whole life is just like, taken real life experiences and like that or you know or scary oh my god that movie was so bad how do i get that feeling to my characters um so like i'm i'm always prepping but for a game like what we're doing i'll reread what happened the week before i will make some monsters for several different encounters and then I don't want to say ad lib because I, you know, there is definitely a place where I want it to go, but a lot of it is kind of on the fly where the characters want to go left, right, you know, backwards, forward, upside down, you know, you gotta be ready for anything. And that's the other thing. I've had a lot of DMS who have told me that, yeah, my players trapped me, my players, uh, oh, really? like got me in a way to where I had to stop the game because I didn't know what to do. Hmm. That's something you can conquer with experience. And the experience is, just like you said earlier, you know, come up with just kind of the, the skeleton of it. You know, the yeah. meat's going to be there because the players will put the meat on the bone. And when I say that, I mean, like, like I've had a players, like when they're talking about, so what do you think's on the other side of that door? And they come up with something that's so much better than I thought of. I'm like, okay, yoink, that's what's on the other side of the door now. Oh, oh, maybe, maybe the princess actually is a dragon and blah, blah. I'm like, well, then she is now, you know? Yeah. <laughs> That's the, it's, it, and, and you know what, it's, it's one of those things that, and, and I feel that a lot of, because I've never experienced, I've been very blessed to have um, good dungeon masters. And I've been, I've, I've, I think the only experience I've had where I've had a bad dungeon master, and when I say bad, they were inexperienced, and they allow the nerves to get to them, which it happens, mm-hmm. it, all, it, it happens but it's how you respond. Do you Mm -hmm. respond or do you react? If you respond, that means that it's it's tactical. It's okay, if I were to respond to this, it's because I've drilled this before or I have some sort of something, you know, some semblance of, okay, this is what I would do versus reaction of, oh my gosh, like I'm just reacting. It's an emotional thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I have to say that, I've been to that experience where, you know, you mentioned the concert and having that, just that feeling of that energy. And it's the same thing, man. It's like when, it's like when, and you and I share this love of cigars. Like when you have a great cigar, I think to myself, oh, this is what the dwarves smoke in my Mm -hmm. world. Because pipes are great. Okay, pipes are cool. But the dwarves in my world are, they're miners. They're, you know, they're they're looking at gems and if they want to have that tobacco they're either gonna dip you know they're gonna chew tobacco or they're gonna smoke a stogie and keep working because that's what they do one of the best things i think i've come up with in a game uh recently has been uh, a dwarven smithy in a, in a human town that also had a barbecue place that was connected to the smithy. Oh. And they're like, yeah, we're smiths, but we also barbecue. And it's some of the best damn dwarven barbecue you'll ever find in this side of the, whatever, the, the mountains. And uh, the players loved it and it went well. They enjoyed it. They were all hungry afterwards and I'm, I'm hungry right now thinking about it. So, but you know, it's one of those, it's, 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 it's cool little things like that. 
Huh? I really want to have some barbecue now. Oh, man, when you come out to Austin, brother, I'll take you out. Hey, man, when you come out to Charlotte, I know it's two, two, different, two different styles, but we'll be, we'll be men of culture to try both. I'm from Hawaii, and Hawaiian barbecue is a lot different than, than all of it. So I, am not, I do not uh, put a nose up to good barbecue, regardless of where it's from. Man, so like we we just <laughs> we just roast pig over like in a in a in a cajachina. That's all we do. Like we put Speaking it in my box. language. Give me that roast pig. That's right, dude. We 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 roast that thing for like 12, 13 hours. You're good to go, man. Mm. It's you see, and it's those experiences for me as a dungeon master that I'm like, okay, how can I bring my culture, right? How can I bring my own background into something like this? And you know, we, we, we loosely have been talking about consequences. I think it's just because we see this a lot as dungeon masters. I know you do as a professional dungeon master where you probably see like, okay. And again, I'm saying this with all respect. I'm going to use myself as an example. What would happen consequence, like from a consequence perspective, if I were to bring my culture into the game, not from a negative or a, or a positive impact, but more of like, okay, what would happen? Well, what aspect of my culture do I want to bring? Let's say I want to bring the food, right? The, you know, the, the, the different stews and the rice, you know, rice, beans, chicken, pork. Pork is a various, you know, one of the main focuses. I mean, I, I can rattle off all the different foods and I can rattle off the foods because my grandmother through oral, you know, tradition of passing it to my mom, who thankfully, I mean, every, for the most part, they write it down but it's the grandma secrets, as I call them, that she held true until her deathbed, like she told my mom. And then she wrote those secrets down and then so on and so forth. Like that's how it's passed down. Okay, let's say I, I, may, I have a dwarf, right? A dwarf fighter who kind of like your example, right? Uh, blacksmith, but has like a restaurant attached to it and is making dwarven food that's really, really looking like Cuban food over here. You know, what's that consequence? Is the, are the NPCs going to say, mm, man, I really like this food. And how does that impact the world? Because now you're bringing in all these different, I mean, you're, you're technically bringing these flavors, no pun intended, to, to the game. And um, you're, you're weaving in your story and you're weaving a part of yourself in the story. But what happens if, let's say, for example, everything's great. And let's say you, I don't know, let's say from a dungeon master's perspective, oh, someone starts feeling sick because maybe you rolled really poorly. And I think that's where the mechanic just roll for everything is a little bit, needs a little bit of tweaking because the consequence aspect can, can come up, right? Let's say you do everything. You have a high charisma, which again, based on the rules, and you roll great, everyone loves your food, but then one person, like, you roll poorly, and they get sick from your food, and then now that affects the NPC, which then will, that will be a consequence later in the future, you know, sooner or later. Like, how do you do those things? And I know that's a loaded question, but in No, my, not at all. It's you know not I mean? a loaded, yeah, yeah, I mean, I, I get it. One of the things that I, I learned a long time ago is that having everything in the game rely on a dice roll doesn't make a fun game because it's like, yeah, my character is really cool, but I know when I'm a player, I can't roll above a five. I am a terrible D and D player in the way that I, my roles are just crap. But as a DM man, I'm knocking twenties and eighteens out of the park every night. 
you know. But as a player, I suck. Uh, not because of role-playing, just because of the dice. Um, and so knowing that, I have tried to always have my, 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 character, my players, the guys that, that I run for, mm-hmm. like even on a failure, there's still some success. Like, yeah, one person got sick in your restaurant. You know, uh, go ahead and give me another role. Okay, everyone else seemed to love it. So that one guy is sick. You know, and yeah. if you would have failed that second role, then, oh, okay, something's up. All right, so now uh, maybe it wasn't you. Maybe someone from a rival restaurant is trying to, like, sucker you and get you in a position where things are bad. So that just kind of opens up another idea of a story. And, like, oh, yeah, while you're, you know, on your second role, which is your professional cooking role or whatever, you're you're in and you find the empty bottle of of Epicac or whatever down in the basement, you know, next to where the bread is being made. and who put that there so it's still not just a it's it's a failure but it leads to something more and it's not something like if the story for the game is to find out uh who the evil dragon priest is and stop him this has nothing to do with that it's just something fun and simple that you can take care of in 10 minutes okay give me a streetwise check or give me a, a investigation check Okay, now you found out that, yeah, this guy from the store downtown has been trying to spread lies about you and all this stuff. You can confront him. You know, you, you give a little bit of a settlement to the people that got sick. You know, oh, I'm sorry. Here's, here's five gold and your next two meals are free. Or, you know, I'll pay for you to go to the doctor and get leached or whatever. So you, you, can, yeah. you can take care of that problem. But again, it, it's a failure, but it's not a failure that, you know, there's consequence, but it opens mm-hmm. up for more things to happen. Yeah. And I'm glad you brought that up because it's something I've struggled as with as a DM, because I think to myself, I don't want to, I, you know, I have players and I play with, well, I was playing with newer, they were completely new to tabletop. And I didn't want to, to, I didn't want to reward, I don't want to reward them just for, oh, you know, good for, you know, good for you for playing. No, I want them to feel rewarded i want them to feel that you know win or lose they gave it their all and they had fun so i want them to have that's the reward i want them to have i want them to have that sensation or feeling of you know whether it's victory what or whatever it may be so from a consequence perspective i mean they've made choices i mean it's dungeons and dragons right it's it's hey i want to not be an adventurer and I just want to start a brothel. That's pretty much what they wanted to do. And <laughs> it's like, okay, I mean, if that's how they have fun, cool. But I don't want to hit them with a the consequence of like, oh, you know, something major, especially if that's how they have fun. I know it sounds weird and, and, and crazy that for them opening up a brothel is what they, they want to do. But as an example, if they just want to own a business in D and D, then they're you know what's the consequence, right? You know, should you give them a hard consequence because, well, the king, you know, the the adventuring guild has given them a job and they're not attending to that job. How you know how do you do that? How do you work that in? And and I feel like it's it's a it's a fine line between the heavy hand and not doing anything. 
Well, it's also one of those interesting things, because this has actually come up a lot in a lot of my games for people that want to start a tavern or an inn. And I think I might have had a brothel or two within my experience of people trying to start stuff. <laughs> mm -hmm. It's one of those, like, you know, okay, cool. Like, uh, well, my character wants to stay there and run the business. Okay, so are you going to make another character or are you going to, you know, what, what, is, what is your outcome that you want? for this you know like yeah you you can start a business you can invest the money i can find a chart online or make one up off the top of my head to how much it's going to cost a month for you to run your business and the taxes and blah 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 blah. but it's it's one of those like in the end what does that player want for the character yeah. you know and yeah there, there might be consequences the holy order of whoever might come and be like prostitutes are bad brothels are bad don't do it yeah. Or, you know, the opposite, you know, the whole townsmen, all the guys that work at the mine might come up and be like, no, brothels are amazing. We need to employ more of them, you know, get them out here. You know, it's give and take. Yeah, I mean, you, and, and that's the thing. You never know. It's one of those things. I mean, hell, it could be that the women in the town, the NPCs are saying, hey, you know what? We, <laughs> you know, we're going to bring a different clientele. My, you know, <laughs> men get in there and start, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. You, it could be whatever you want, but what is that consequence? And is that, cause a lot of times I feel like, and, and, and this is a question I would ask you, do you feel that DMs give out consequences because they're mad that the game and the story aren't going the way that they planned? I think DMs can and do. Um, again, I've, I've played under, not always. I, I've definitely played, with um dms who have been like uh like uh th there's that one character in the party the rogue or the fighter that likes to mouth off to every person in power that they come across yep, yep. and then the dm's like all right he pulls out a blade and cuts your throat in front of everybody and he's like you're not gonna roll he's like no you've mouthed off a lot and now your character's dead that's the consequence you know, and I'm like, well, that's a little harsh. But at the same time, that player learned a lesson, question mark. I mean, yeah, I mean, that's an extreme. That's an extreme consequence for something that should have been either talked with with the player or. Or, uh, you know, dealt with in another way through role playing. OK, well, yeah, now this guy's men aren't going to work with you. They're not going to talk with you and they might screw you over later. But uh I, I do think that DMs will punish players for if if they are bored with the game and they want the game to go a certain way or certain aspects of the what they thought was was going to be so cool the players like didn't care about. Mm -hmm. um, again, that's kind of one of the things about like not having too much planned. Like you can plan something out really cool, and if it just kind of falls to the wayside, like well, I've spent so much time on that. And not, not saying you shouldn't, because you should. You should spend time on things that you think are cool, but that's when not everything that you do, your players are going to like. And you shouldn't punish your players because they dislike something that you've done. I know I've gotten frustrated with players when it comes to, like, uh, with rules. Like, either them exploiting the rules or despite mm -hmm. the fact that I've played for so long, you know, I'm not an encyclopedia. I don't have every rule memorized, you know, and I can make something up that sounds right pretty quick at the time. 
But, you know, I, I've definitely had players, well, actually on page 36 on this manual here, it says this is how that's done. I'm like, okay, cool. Then that's how we'll, that, that's how we'll do it. You know, or I don't know exactly. Or like, All right, cool. We'll, we'll let this ride for now and then we'll correct it going forward. Yeah. And then, no, no, I want it this way right now. And I'm like, well, you can't. And so I, I will get frustrated with players in that way, but I won't punish their character for any beef that I have with them because that's not why I'm there. I'm not there to be a principal. I'm not there to be the police, you know, the rules police or anything else like that. You know, it, it, it's collaborative and that has to be the, the forefront when doing it. Like, you know, uh, I, they can't punish me in any way except for saying, I don't want to come play at your table, you know, okay. and then that's one player or a friend that I'm not going to see so much. So it, it, it's, it's an abuse of power to, to punish players just because you're angry at them or upset. But at the same time, if the guy is running his mouth to every noble that he's running into, you know, he might, something might happen to his character. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's, 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 it's that balance. And sometimes the balance is like, you know, yeah, we, we just robbed the, the, the inn and tavern and stole all their money and we got away. Well, they're going to hire more powerful adventurers than you to come get revenge. Well, yeah, no, I mean, it's it's almost like we forget that when we're playing a game that just like in real life there's consequences especially a role-playing game like i i mean i i'm i'm not as versed in skyrim as you know you may be i know one my one of my closest friends uh he's got a thousand plus hours on skyrim like and been there got that <laughs> yeah man yeah so he's i mean he is i don't know how many thousands of i mean i know he has at least a thousand hours but i'm not as versed in that but i know that having played enough games it's like okay let's use world of warcraft for an example right if i were to let's say be in a guild or you know with my friends and whatever or a party you know kind of unofficial guild as I like to call them. And, and this has actually happened, you know, true story. I was starting to play World of Warcraft again. It had been years since I played. And these guys were just, I mean, they were having fun, but they were just being jerks. Like one-shotting everything and not even like letting me like just play the actual game. They were just like, oh, hey, Brian, did you want to kill this? Oh, not anymore. Like, aha. And the consequence for that, in my opinion, was like, okay, I'm just not going to play with them anymore. Like, and we forget as people and as well as people playing a game, then when we do stuff in game, there are consequences. There will be a consequence no matter what. It's what your what is your intention behind it, mm -hmm. right? Like you as a professional DM, I know you probably see this often because one, you, this is, you know, part of this, this, this is your profession. This is, Hey, I can't just say I'm cause you know, there there's, it's kind of like you have duties to your quote unquote stakeholders, AKA the players that have paid for a service, right? Mm -hmm. The players mm -hmm. paid for a service and said, okay, we want a weekly game of Dungeons and Dragons, you know, at this time from this time, whatever, you know, this, this is the agreed upon rules, right? And a lot of times, at least I would feel that, okay, if, you know, you want me to run a game for you, 
then I'm going to run a game to the best of my ability, but I'm going to run a game that is going to be, you know, realistic. And it's not going to just be like murder hobo central. It's going to be, Hey, if, you know, for, if you give a, let's say you give a bouquet of roses to the villages, you know, chief, like to, to the village chief and his family, they'll take that maybe as a good sign or they'll take that as a bad sign. You never know. And your players have to react to that. It doesn't matter. Um, at least even whether professional or not, maybe from a, maybe it's different. I don't know, but that's how I think about it. No. And, and going on that, that vein, uh, there was these, uh, players that I had that were trying to get some information from an old, uh, wizard that had been, uh, kicked out of the wizarding Academy. His house had become dilapidated. He had a, a manservant that was trying to, you know, steal his inheritance and all mm-hmm. this other stuff, you know, whatever money. And he was just a crotchety old, old coot that didn't want any, anything to do with anybody. Mm-hmm. And the players went in, they, they couldn't role play. They, they didn't hit the right notes to, to make him like him. Don't yeah. like them to talk to him. And then they're like, well, we're just going to try a charisma check now, you know, like, cause I always try to encourage them to role play it. And if you can't, then try a check. And okay. based on your ability to role play, that check will be modified or whatever. Um, and they failed that. And so they were like, yeah, there's this guy's going to be no help. And one of the players, she was uh, playing a monk and she was like, um, well, I feel really bad for the old man. Uh, I'm going to go buy some like cleaning supplies and go back and just offer to clean his house for him. And I was like, that's mighty decent. Not something I expected. Uh, while you're cleaning his house for him, you know, you're, you know, scrubbing the floors, trying to get all the cobwebs and, you know, the dishes that are dirty and just, just described like, you know, as a person, I'm also a social worker. So I've worked with uh, yeah. Alzheimer's dementia patients and, you know, I just kind of using a lot of that stuff, you know, like going through the house, she found like all this kind of different stuff to make her feel a little bit more pity for the, for the guy, but Mm -hmm. also like hints of what the life he led. So she started talking to him about some of the different things like, oh, wow, this is really cool and interesting. What is it? And he really liked her. And then he gave her all the information that they needed. He still disliked all the other players, but he had a soft spot for her. And she managed to get the manservant that was trying to steal all of his money booted out of town. You know, so it's one of those like cause consequence, but through good role playing and something unexpected, it worked out really well. And the players, all of them really loved it, even though it was like this one character's kind of moment to not shine because she didn't really do anything. It wasn't like, well, I'm a monk and I'm going to blow all my key points to run through and just beat the enemy to death. It was just like, I'm going to clean an old man's house. It was, it was, it was an act of kindness through role play. Yeah, and she had no expectations of getting any information from the old man. I just use it as an opportunity to turn that failure into something that could work if the player did it well, and she absolutely did. And I feel, I don't hear that a lot from DMs, um, at least from a professional perspective, because, and again, this is speaking to some local professionals here in the area, where and again, you know, nothing. N- I have nothing against them, mm-hmm. but it's just a different mentality. Where a lot of times, they feel, well, my, m- you know, my loyalties are to my stakeholders, so to speak, to my players who are um, trying to, you know, they're paying me to run this game. So it's almost like I'm going to run it like 
a video game or a TV show where, okay, they do this, they do this, you know, there's three, you know, three acts within the session, boom, we're done. Mm-hmm. Versus like you just said, like, oh, well, this old wizard, you know, didn't, you know, the, he responded to the party. And then that player, that monk, you know, said, you know what, I'm going to go clean that, you know, and, and had that conversation, had that role play opportunity. And I don't, you know, what I, I don't see that often because I feel, and like I said, they, they have that loyalty to their stakeholder where they have to run a game, no matter, like they just run a game that's simple for them. It's kind of like what you see with online coaches, something that a lot of times online fitness coaches, they quite literally copy and paste the program that they found or that was given to them and they pass it along that way. And it kind of, it's not really focused on that person's like health. It's more of like, okay, they want a result. I can help them, but I'm going to give them something generic versus like what you're doing. The, the hardest thing to teach somebody how to do as far as DMing go is to think on the fly. Mm. Um, and the thing is when you're a player, you do it all the time, but people don't make that transition from being a player to being a DM. Yeah. Uh, something about like, it, it's like, okay, my job as a player is I'm playing this character and it's versus the world. When yeah. people become a DM, they say, okay, my job as the DM is the world versus the player. Mm. And it's completely the wrong mentality. Now it, it, it's the right mentality when you're role-playing the orcs that are attacking the players. For sure. You know, like, yeah, like, yeah, they're not going to hold back. If they critical, you're dead. You know, yeah. if, if they, if they can kill you, your character dies. Cause yeah. you know, my, my whole thing always has been, well, Boromir died and so can your character, you know, and I love Boromir. I thought he was great. Such a Boromir thing to say. Um, but there are consequences. Yeah. Oh, I, I, just, I just threw myself off. Where was I going with this? Oh, oh no. Um, so as, as, a, as making that transition, you can't have the mentality of the whole world versus the players. Yeah. Because... It's just going to make adversarial. You're going to get angry at the players when they do stuff that you don't want uh, or don't expect. And then it's going to throw you off. And that's when you're going to have to take the pause and be like, okay, well, I need to, we need to stop playing because I need to uh, come up with the next part of this. Cause you guys have just, you know, thrown off what I was planning. Um, also it's like that, you know, with that logic being said is, and you're onto something where the world's not like that the world isn't against you. Like there are people in the world, you know, in this world, but also in, in like D and D specifically that don't care about the party. They're just living their life as, you know, farmers or as craftsmen and, and, or whatever. And then there are people who have become allies of the party. And I've said, every time the party comes near, it's like, you see you know, the children running up to the party and, you know, asking them to play with them. And you see the men and women of the village like saying like what news from the outside world what's going on like how are you what's like you know they're actually interested in the party and then Mm -hmm. on the opposite spectrum there are people in the world that are like hey i remember you 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 know choked on this food and insulted my whole family lineage like like curses be upon you like you know that happened so I, I like how you put it, though, where it isn't like, yes, when you are role-playing the orc, when you're role-playing the troll, heck, when you're role-playing the bandit or the king, that just is like, you know what? You're going to die. We, you know, my intention as this NPC 
is for you to die, then yes, that's when it's the world against the party. But other than that, I feel like DMs are the facilitator. Yes. And that, that's, a, uh, I think, a much better uh, use of, like, describing a DM's role is, like, the facilitator of the game. Mm-hmm. Um, I've heard, jokingly, back in the day, people said, oh, well, you're the DM, so that means you're God. You're the game ordinance director. And I'm like, uh, no, thank you. I, I don't like that, that term. I, I'd much rather work with my players, not be something yeah. on a mountain that they'll never attain to that they should fear and respect and love. I mean, I'm a not person. A I'm... Yeah, I'm trying to tell a story with you. It's collaborative. I'm facilitating what's happening. So let's, let's do something cool together and have fun doing it. And where, why do you think that whole God concept came out of? Because I, actually, this is the first time I've, I've thought about this. I've heard it before, but why do you think that's prevalent? Um, lots of reasons. Uh, the most simple basic reason is i mean let's 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 be honest we're nerds yeah true yeah we're nerds uh in high school and stuff like that maybe not every nerd was cool and had a lot of friends they had their little tight group of friends and for that little bit of time uh you know three hours a week or 10 hours or if you were like me all weekend you were playing D &D. and for that little time you were in charge and everybody hung on your word so there's a little bit of power that comes with that. And people, I don't want to say get drunk on power, but I've seen it. I've seen a lot of DMs get kind of drunk on this. Oh, I'm the DM. So I am this great thing that and I am the only one that can tell a story. Again, you can role play Monopoly. You don't need a DM to have a good story. Um, you can just, it, it's, I, I think that's kind of the main thing for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other thing is like a lot of people for the same reason people write fanfics also, you know, they will take a story that they really like and they really love and come up with their own ideas behind it. I mean, I've been in games that, you know, I've never run a game based on another world, but I've, I've played in games where people have uh, like, like, Oh, I love final fantasy seven. So we're in a final fantasy seven world and all the characters exist and all the other stuff. So they're just like, you know, telling a new story or the story they wanted to see in that world where you as a player just kind of there to watch, you know, and that can be interesting if everyone loves Final Fantasy VII and that's what everyone wants to do. But, you know, that, that's the other thing I've seen as far as the whole God thing is, you know, someone who's a very creative storyteller, but there's something that they have to tell. They want to tell that story. So I, I think those are two of the big reasons. Either someone is um, just, you know, I don't want to say drunk on power, but, you know, they, they take what power they have that they normally don't have and just kind of use it as like, you know, I am the God, the game ordinance director. I'm the DM and all hail me. Or this is the story I want to tell. Now you all shut up in color while I tell my story, you know? <laughs> yeah. What do you think? Well, I'd agree with that. I think, and I, you, you came the first part where you said like a lot of times, like, and I think you and I lived through this nerds were not cool. Like nerd. I was always cool, man. I was always cool. <laughs> there you go. That's the, see, that's the type of <laughs> you got to, you got to talk about, man, because yeah. for me, like, I'll be honest. I, the, I'm also a lot of people 
when I, well, a lot of people don't know this except for like, maybe like my family, but when I was younger, I was, ex- I was confident to the point of being cocky mm. because, you know, I, I was a musician, so I was just all into music and I like played like, I mean, I, I still practice and play, but like I was playing a bunch of different things. So if I, so I hung out with the musician kids and the artsy like kids. Mm-hmm. And then because, you know, with music, I was into the arts. So I was into like drama and theater. So I, I had an in with the drama and theater kids, but because I played rugby, I was in with like the sport jock kind of people because again, I played rugby and they were, but I was, because I played rugby and not football, you know, they were like, well, wait a minute, you're kind of weird. You're playing this thing called rugby. And I'm like, bro, like all blacks, all the way. All blacks, dude. Yeah. I was about ready to do a haka, man. I was going to say all blacks. That's my team. How'd you know? Dude, it's because they're the greatest team in the world. Right. Good man. my brother likes the English, the English national team. And I'm like, boo, boo. Uh, I, I like rugby. I watch rugby only if it's an all black game, kind of the same way I watch football. I'll watch like if the Baltimore Ravens are playing other than that, I don't follow it so much, you know? Oh dude. I see for me, like I was following the all blacks, especially throughout high school, like in college, mm-hmm. I followed them. Like I, I was just die hard. And I stopped just because again, you know, life, but you know, back, like I, I kind of noticed that when I would talk about how I would play D and D, a lot of people would say, wait a minute, you're a jock. Like you're this, or you're that, like, how can you play D and D? How can you get into comic books? How can you get into all these things? And it's like, this is my sacred space and this is my safe space. So F off. Like, no, I, I feel you, man. Like I, I did powerlifting when I was in high school. I used to skateboard. So I knew all the skaters. I knew all the football players. Um, I, I listened to a lot of like Nine Inch Nails and, you know, like dark wave music back in the day too. So like I knew all the goths, but like, you know, I also had a, a bunch of preppy friends too. I, I, I kind of just fit in with everybody. But yeah, D&D was kind of like, you know, there were two tables in my lunchroom. There was like my table that played D&D and then there's the other group that played D&D. Yeah. And the other group that played D&D were like the, um, oh gosh, how do I even describe them? They would like what you would think of as your typical high school D&D players. Yeah. You know, I, I guess, I, I, um, I don't want to say anything bad about them because they, they were all pretty decent people, but they weren't socially accepted at the school. They weren't uh, very charismatic it was, it, it's the weird dichotomy of like, okay, they see you playing D&D and they're like, oh, but whatever, man, like you're cool. Like you're this, you're that, you're this, you're that. And then they see the other people playing D&D and it's like, oh, they're nerds, they're geeks, they're mm-hmm. weird, which it's like, no, they're just as cool as anyone. They just, they stick to themselves. They do whatever. It's a complete, it's a completely different personality based on the individual. Okay. Yeah. Let, me re- let me repeat that for the folks in the back who need to hear this, as the kids say nowadays. <laughs> it's based upon the individual, no matter what. It does not matter. And 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 for the folks who just started playing fifth edition, we welcome you. We love you. Absolutely. You're awesome. But the struggle was real. The st- if you if you got into Pokemon, okay, 
it was it was the it was cool because it was anim the anime was great the cards were cool but if you got into comic books hmm what what mm, i'm curious about you and then D D. wait what like th there was that kind of social structure that was left behind nowadays it's cool to like oh. if you don't know comic books if you don't watch anime it's kind of like wait what's wrong with you there, there's something I've, I've wanted to do for a long time. Uh, if I ever go back to a graduate program, you know, I want to get my uh, master's in sociology. And then mm -hmm. I would love to write a paper uh, for my thesis on like the hierarchy of nerds of mm -hmm. like, what is acceptable? When did it not become acceptable? And when was acceptable? Because like wow. growing up playing D&D, &D, my mom was always like, you're worshiping the devil. I'm like, no, I'm not worshiping the devil, mom. Uh, I, I don't know if that's something that kids have to deal with now. I, I assume in some families, yes, but for the most part, it's like, okay, well, you're just doing weird shit, whatever. You played yeah. enough video games, it's the same thing, except you're interacting with people. Good. You know. Well, I'm in the Bible Belt, so this is where it's, and, it's, and before anyone says anything, let me tell y'all something. It's the weirdest place because I know a lot of Bible Belt Christian type folks who were like, you're playing D&D? Cool okay you're you're reading you're working with numbers and you're like the hero sign me up sign my kids up take them do whatever you Legit. know and then and, there's other people who are like that's the devil like it's just based on the individual at the end of the day like my my mom i'll say this and i'll say it until i'm blue in the face my parents were skeptical because they were like, and again, being, being human, they're like, where are all these white people saying, man? Like, <laughs> like, like what the hell's all this crap about? Like it's the devil. What? And you know, my grandma being really the matriarch at the time when she was alive, you know, she like looked at it and she was like, <laughs> I mean, in Spanish, she said this, but she was like, what is all this bullshit of people saying this is the devil? Like, she was like, I've, I know this ain't the devil, especially if my kids reading, if my grandson's reading and working with numbers and it actually helped me with my math because I, I struggled with math. Like it was just harder for me to grasp. So like having dice and being able to like do all this stuff. Now, mind you, I didn't, I played a, a ghetto version of uh, Dungeons and Dragons. I shouldn't say ghetto. It was the, un <laughs> it was the, well, we were poor growing up. I'm not going to lie. We lived in you know, bad circumstances. So yeah, it technically was like, you know, <laughs> you oh, know, dude, we, we yeah, man. the, the cheapened version of it. I, I couldn't afford the books when I was a kid. Cause I also grew up poor. And uh, it, it, it literally, I remember in junior high when one of my friends was like, let's play D and D. I was like, what's that? He's like, well, it's like what you're doing with your, cause I was running freaking Robotech games in yeah. fucking junior high. And he's like, oh, it's like, uh, it's like this, only it's fantasy. I was like, okay, how do you play? And he's like, I don't know. I was like, okay, well, uh, roll a D6 on even you hit, odd you don't. You know, I had no idea what I was doing, but it was about telling the story. Exactly. I think, you know, that's at the end of the day, like, why, you know, going back to what we were talking about, and, and it's funny how we had this conversation, like, and how we started it, like, beforehand, talking about consequences. Like, the story almost naturally facilitates whether it's a positive negative or neutral consequence no matter what as long as you're keeping true to the story everything could be justified and again i say could underline it bold whatever highlight it, it could be justified because i you know we brought up the topic of the rogue mouthing off to you know the nobility 
Well, mm -hmm. maybe in that person's backstory, right? Maybe they are, maybe something happened to them with nobility. Maybe they, as a character in their backstory, were damaged in some way, emotionally, psychologically, whatever, by nobility. So they have, maybe they, maybe actually the way, the reason why they're the, they're an edge lord, so, so to speak, is because nice. a noble family sentenced his whole, you know, that rogue's family to work in the mines until they died. Mm. And maybe that's why they have a problem with quote unquote authority. So maybe that's not necessarily a bad con. Maybe they're, maybe they're not just being jerks. Maybe they're just really staying true to their character. And you, as the facilitator of the story, that natural consequence is to say, well, okay, maybe there's a noble that says, hey, what happened? What's wrong? Like, or did I do something to offend you? Or maybe a noble says, you know what? I don't like you so much. So I'm going to put you in jail. Just like every other noble has maybe put that rogue in jail and no one's taking the time to talk to that rogue character and say, hey, did I do something to offend you? What? And, you know, they bridge that gap. Those consequences don't have to be negative. They can be positive. They can be neutral. But going back to everything, I feel like the, if we, that the thesis of this whole conversation could be what is a consequence and how do you get there? It's really like good storytelling will naturally lead you to where you got to go. Absolutely. Absolutely. And not just on the part of the, the DM. It shouldn't fall completely on the DM. And it shouldn't be expected completely out of the players. Because, mm -hmm. you know, despite, I, I also was in theater. You know, I am I'm an actor. I act all the time. Ask my wife, she'll tell you. But like, uh, if you, uh, even for the player who's really quiet and shy, you have to facilitate with them their story and what's being told and the consequences like, yeah, for them, it's going to be a little bit more dice roll. They'll be, they'll yeah. tell you a little bit more of what they want, but it, it's definitely consequence doesn't always have to be a negative thing. And it, it doesn't always have to be positive. And like you said, it, it can be neutral. Yeah. It depends on how much you as a DM want to have it drive the story forward or be a learning experience for the players, not a, or a teaching experience, I would say. Teaching, learning, I mean, those are can be two totally different things. Like most people, when they hear teach the player something, it's like, oh, you got to teach them a lesson. You got to screw yeah. them over some way, negative. But if the players learn, like for every player that I play with, I'm hoping that someday they will run a one shot that I can play in and enjoy. Yeah. Because as the DM, I hardly ever get to play. But I would love for them to run a game for me so if i can give them the tools and the equipment and teach them or have, have them learn things to use that I, I for a game that i wouldn't play in then i've done it and if that's you know showing them how to think critically on consequences and how that works more power i want them sure. to be able to do that for sure and you know you brought something up where it's like it's whatever the lesson that you can teach your players whether it's you know, if it can be carried into their personal life or it can be carried onto the game, like that's a win no matter what. Because yeah. I think Dungeons and Dragons too, and, and, and again, from a professional perspective, you could probably adhere to this where, hey, you know what? I'm, I was able to teach this lesson about maybe like injustice in the world or maybe teach something from my own culture whatever it may be, you could do a lot with it. And you, that could be a learning moment. It could be not to sound like a PSA, 
<laughs> you know, like uh, a PBS like show or whatever, but no, you can really actually teach a lot of valuable lessons, you know, through Dungeons and Dragons, through role play, through that type of, you know, situation. I've, I've met people and I've played with people that have gained confidence through playing Dungeons and Dragons. Um, like you were saying earlier for yourself, people that have, uh, have had math disabilities, that they've gotten you know, better at math because of playing Dungeons and Dragons. They'll still have to sit there, count on their fingers, you know, I wrote this, blah, blah, blah. But the, just after a while, they, they stop doing that so much. They get more used to it. Um, again, shy people come a little bit more out of their box. And people yep. that are loud and bombastic learn to kind of tone it down a bit sometimes yeah you know it, it, there's there's infinite lessons to be learned Absolutely. and um and, and I, oh, there, there's a guy there's a guy on the uh on the um the discord yep. who runs a DD game on uh at the uh, library local library that he's doing and he works there i think that is one of the most amazing brilliant things to have like a local library that will have like a D&D session for like kids or something to come and just be able to play. Cause it's going to open up such an amazing new world for them, for them to learn stuff about themselves and about their own creative outlets. And I think it's, it's amazing. Sorry. I just wanted to throw that, throw that guy. What was his, what's his name? He's a librarian. Yeah. That guy's really cool. He's a, he's a, he's in the bearded nerd discord with y'all should join. Um, it's it's really you know it's a growing community but it's it's really a community that i've noticed that we really try to help each other out and i and i think that's just what dnd is especially like you as a professional which again i'm going to remind folks that they could reach you at aloha dungeon crawl correct that's your instagram for your professional dungeon and professional crafting absolutely and the, the website's still coming so <laughs> no work listen like it's with in in covid times as long as you got social media, man, it doesn't yeah. matter. They can, people can reach out no matter what. But I've noticed that, I've, I've just noticed that, especially with the community that we have right now, it's almost the golden era of gaming because, and I'm calling it, or rather maybe, maybe it's the renaissance, maybe it's the resurgence, I don't know. But it's one of those things in gaming where everyone's really like, hey, you want a game? Here you go join my game, join this, do this. If you need help, I'm here to help. I don't remember it ever being this popular. Nope. Hell no. Um, even like the plethora of board games that are out. Like uh, I know like when stuff kind of soft opened here in Texas, again, I'm wearing my mask. I, when I go out in public, I'm being as safe as possible, but yeah, sure. I still need, I need my mini fix. I have an addiction. Um, no, you're a connoisseur. A fine connoisseur of fine minis. Yes, yes. Um, I I went to a local gaming store, and uh, man, they were they were letting a few people in. People had to mask up. People had to you know put sanitizer on their hands. Mm -hmm. Super safe. But every person was there to buy board games, and they were looking at just different board games to wow. play. Uh, awesome, dude. And it, it was great. And I heard a bunch of the people like, hey, you know, your family, you should get D&D. &D. It's a good way for you and your, you know, instead of you guys just sitting around playing just a, a board game together that you're going to lose interest in and play three or four times and not play anymore. You have a, a whole bunch of characters you can make and then just go through whatever adventure you want. I'm like, that's you awesome. Have, people should have, do that. You have an infinite possibility with Dungeons and Dragons, Pathfinder, 
but in, since we're talking D and D, you have an infinite amount of possibilities. Mm-hmm. Like that's why I still do what I do. That's why I still do what I do in regards to creating content for D and D because I can literally never have to buy a module. I'm not saying that I won't, because you know what, at Bronze Cool. Um, I just heard bad news today as of recording today about uh, Dragon Lance. Oh, no, I haven't heard. Okay, well, folks, I'm going to break it to you now. I'm so sorry to do this to you, and I'm so sorry to be that person. Wizards of the Coast and the two authors of Dragon Lance are in a legal disagreement, and therefore a, a, a lawsuit has ensued. Because what happened is that um, the original authors of Dragon Lance have been publishing and they've been, you know, getting revisions and drafts being sent to Wizards of the Coast. They approved of a couple, but then they put a stop. They did not approve and they said, you have to halt all, you know, creative efforts. And they may, they actually may be canceling it. They're being sued because what happens is that the two authors now, because of the non-disclosure agreements and everything else that they signed, they cannot publish um, any of the Dragonlance stuff to anywhere. They can't even publish books if they wanted to. That breaks my heart. That was probably one of the first D&D worlds that I fell in love with was, yep. was Dragonlance. You know, it's that. Fireforge, great guy. Love him. Love him to death. And it's, eh, he's all right. Well, but this is the thing. Dragonlance to me was that quintessential like fantasy game. It was like, yeah, Forgotten Realms is cool, but it's like, okay, you have Drist. And he's, okay, Drist is cool. But it's not Dragonlance. It's not the, the heroes are, you know, X, Y, Z. Like, no, it's, it's, that's what Dragonlance was to me. It was like, mm-hmm. it was like the original Lord of the Rings, the cartoon. Oh, that, yeah. That's what, it was like Thundercats. It was that, you know, adventurer type, like mythology where like it just that's what made me want to be an adventurer so to speak and be in the fantasy it, world it was a very simple world but the world the storytelling in it was beautiful and that's what i found with like most authors like uh harry potter i care so much more about the world than i do a lot of the characters Absolutely. you know the world that they built um kind of the same thing with tolkien i love tolkien uh his world infinitely more interesting than a lot of the characters even though the characters are such a big part of it and they matter but like man i want to hear more about gladrill when she was young and cool and casting spells and killing stuff yeah i think and you know i think it's because they wrote tolkien wrote a mythology he did not write a fantasy Mm -hmm. and that's the difference that's why like if you've heard the stuff that's going on with amazon right now where they're trying to like add nudity and sex scenes and stuff and it's like you know, this isn't Game of Thrones. This isn't, that wasn't Tolkien's world. And again, I'm, I don't, and this is not a political thing. This is just more of like, hey, that's not Middle Earth. That's not, that, that's not Tolkien's universe. Like Tolkien created a mythology because when the Normans invaded, you know, the England, the English Isles and whatnot, like, they completely wiped any type of woad or Pictish or whatever um, mythology and lore. Like they completely wiped it and replaced it with Norse mythology. And then later on in the medieval time, there was like King Arthur and, and everything. But that was, you know, 
that wasn't necessarily, that was more modern versus like, they didn't have a mythology like the Greeks had a mythology or like the Norse or anything like that, or even like Japanese mythology. They didn't have that. So Tolkien said, I want to create something where we can claim this as England's mythology, that this was, you know, 7,000 years before, you know, the Norman invasion or the Saxon invasion and all this other stuff that happened. Like, that's what he created. Just like J.K. Rowling created a mythology. She Mm. created a world. Yes, it became a fantasy book, just like Tolkien's, but she created a mythology. She created a mythology of, hey, what is to say, or who are we to say if, hmm, there's wizards and witches, right, that, like Merlin, you know, we talk, they talk about, oh, Merlin's beard, like, Mm. oh, the Merlin Award, like, oh, they reference that, but it's almost like, huh, what would happen if witchcraft and wizardry, you know, from Merlin being one of the first ones, what happened if that actually fully developed? And that's what happens. That the world of Hogwarts and the world, all that stuff, they do a great, she did a great job of creating that mythology. Hell, dude, Rick Riordan, um, and I'm, I'm sorry if I'm mispronouncing, but like the Percy Jackson series, mm-hmm. he revitalized mythology he made it a little bit more modern so that younger readers can look at it you know maybe relate to it especially like from a storytelling perspective and then created a fantasy so yeah maybe he didn't create a mythology but he gave it new life so i think that's yeah you know like dragon lance did that it created a mythology forgotten realms yeah all those places they create a mythology but it's it's there there's a difference in that and when you're a storyteller you tell that story and you put your own little piece into it you know what i mean oh yeah and everyone takes things from stuff that they interact with like you read a good book you're inspired Uh, i think it was picasso that said good artists borrow great artists steal you know you just you take that aspect that you really like and you make it your own So, yeah, I mean, there's as much as, and I know this is going to be unpopular, but as much as I dislike, you know, Dritz or Drizzt or however you want to say his name, I've never liked him and I've never cared to learn how to say his name. Um, As much as I dislike him, a lot of people love him. A lot of people want to play that drow character that dual wield scimitars and has a big black panther. I mean, if you want to play that in my game, cool, do it. Let's figure out how it works, you know, or if I want to take that idea of the, the lone drow that has left the Underdark and is now on the surface, you know, he's interacting with a whole bunch of weird stuff that he's probably never seen before. And how is that going to affect him? Yep. You know, how are the players going to interact with that NPC? Or as a player, how are you going to react with other NPCs that, you know, will judge you based on what you are which is kind of one of those weird things I, I try to stay away from that a lot in my games the racism you know one of the reasons why I uh, play DDs to escape reality but it's one of those things that it, it, it rears its head up a lot uh, just in, I don't, the real world man yeah those I mean like we have to be we deal with you know, like the, the group of orcs that come into town that all are good guy adventurers and the people looking at them funny. That's, that's kind of racist. 
but at the same time, I, I don't know. I don't know. I'm going off on a tangent now. So. No, no, no. It's, it's, you know, the one thing that the audience understands is, you know, listen we go on tangents this is this is why i love the long form of podcasting is because we can go on tangents and talk about this like this is just what it is and bro like you got some cuban in you man because that's what we do all the time that's just what it is bro the hawaiian coming out too we do it too that's because we're island folk we know how it goes roasting pigs and just pontificating on everything that's what you do when you're on island you smoke your cigars and roast a pig and talk that's right dude like absolutely and honestly man like you know it's the way i run a game is this if you want to play an orc adventure go for it there may be some people that like you there may be some people that don't like you okay but that's the real world too not everyone likes everyone and that's that's and you know what you we live with it we overcome we adapt and we improvise like we that's what we do so i mean I don't like the notion there there's been a huge notion of people talking about how like Tolkien was a racist with all this stuff. And I haven't done enough research on it. And I, again, I, I can't speak. I could maybe say that, okay, maybe there was undertone. I don't know. Cause again, I didn't, I haven't done my research. So I would rather, I would, before I make You'd it, rather have an informed decision or informed opinion than an uninformed correct. opinion. Correct. I got you. Uh, one of my favorite authors is H.P. Lovecraft, and H.P. Lovecraft was a terrible person. Now that that mug was I he was racist. Make, a lot of his stuff was racist. I can um, make an informed opinion on that. And yeah, that mug was oof, big oof. But it's one of those like, and I don't say you should overlook because you shouldn't. People should be accountable for what they do and say but at the same time i don't know i i myself uh am a christian and i you know despite the years and years of dungeons and dragons playing oh gosh uh i i try to give everybody the benefit of the doubt in hopes that they will pleasantly surprise me you know expect the worst hope for the best that we always be pleasantly surprised um And more often than not, I am not let down. I mean, I think everybody can be redeemed or has the ability to do something. Like the person who is the crotchety old coot that hates every neighbor in his neighborhood, sees a car crash, calls 911 and runs out with a towel to help stop the bleeding. He did something good. Everyone hates him. He's a bad guy, but he did one good thing and helped save a life. Uh, And also his hatred perhaps is a learned thing. Yeah. Yeah experience thing where it's you know and we're gonna let's be let's be real for a moment i know i've experienced racism in my own life as have i people people calling me names and things and it's like mm-hmm. okay i used to get mad at it but my dad said it was like well they can't take they can't take away your birthday and that that's that's my dad saying he's like what what are they gonna do take away my birthday like i don't know why but that's a saying he would say, and, and, and he applied it to everything. It, it, and it's like, okay, true. But then when I got older, he said, you know, they, they may have learned something from their own parents, their own environment that they thought was bad, but in order to be loved and fit in, in order to, you know, because a racist isn't just born, they're created. There's a circumstance that creates them. Like that's a learned trait hmm so that because that i mean it, and we can prove that because you know babies don't come out of the womb 
<laughs> saying, hey, I hate these people and I hate that people and I think I'm better than these people. No, it's a learned trait. So just like in the real world where maybe the crotchety old man who you know lives, it's like that movie Gran Torino. It was a great film. It was a fantastic film from a from an artistic perspective. It was, and, and again, you, you don't have to like the person. You can appreciate the art and not like the person. Kind exactly. of going back to Lovecraft, right? I can appreciate the mythology that he created, but I don't like him necessarily. And I'm going to, and what I'm going to do to combat that, I'm going to take what I like and say, you know what? I'm going to teach my children. I'm going to teach my players. I'm going to teach my friends. Hey, you know what? This is how you should treat people. And this is how you Absolutely. should be. You know what I mean? Like and that's, and that's that like everybody in uproar right now with, uh, um, uh, what's her name? Rowling, JK Rowling. Oh, same yeah. thing, same thing, same thing. You don't have to like her. You can not like somebody, but I love Harry Potter. I don't particularly like her as an individual, just from some of the stuff that she said and the rhetoric that she's done, but I absolutely love Harry Potter. Harry Potter is a great book series and it was awesome and I enjoyed it. Man, there's so many. Not, not a fan of her. There are, and that's the thing, we've forgotten that you can agree or disagree with someone and still say, you know what? I appreciate the work that they've done or I can, I mean, look, I, there are plenty of people I don't like. There are plenty of companies that I don't like and I don't support and I choose to not support them or I choose to support them, but I'm not going to hate them one because then you're just adding fuel to the fire. You're not mm -hmm. solve. you know, hate doesn't solve, hate does not solve hate and it doesn't eradicate it. It just builds it even more. But what I, you know, for me, at least, it's like, okay, Tolkien, he's, I admire him a lot. So I need to learn a little bit more and see if I can make an informed decision. And again, being a historian, that is my, that is actually like my, that is my prof profession, so to speak, from a collegiate perspective. Like I am a classically trained historian where I will go and look at the resources. So I, I will give that self, uh, give myself that homework assignment. But necessarily you don't have to like that person if you don't like Tolkien okay cool if you like their work okay good that's you know that's a good thing you don't have just like you said you don't have to like JK Rowling for what she said or who she is or what she stands for but if you like Harry Potter then like Harry Potter who cares like it's it is it is up to you actually as the individual mm -hmm. to say okay I don't like this person I'm going to be informed about why I don't like this person because we should give each other the benefit of the doubt, like you said, and we should understand where they come from and still, and you know what? And, and we're, as both you and I are believers, like we still, we should still love them. Meaning we still want the best for them. Yeah. You know, we, we want the best for them. So yeah, I'm still going to like Harry Potter, man. I have, I, before the fantastic beasts thing, Dude, my buddy, uh, my buddy John and I actually, uh, we're huge nerds. We, we kind of have the, dude, what would happen if the Hulk and Wolverine fought? Like we have those conversations, right? And we were like, what would happen if Harry Potter was like, for some reason in his travels, right? Avoiding the Death Eaters, like traveled to America and went to the wizarding school in America. 
and then had allies in America. So then what happens is like, kind of like that Rick Riordan, you know, the Roman camp and the Greek camp, you know, when the battle of Hogwarts commences, like what were to happen? Like if he's maybe like messaged them and said, Hey, like we need help. The death eaters are here. You see a bunch of American wizards on like on bald Eagle Griffins flying in just, yeah. you know, with hamburgers in one hand and that's right. You know, their wands in the other. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's the thing. Like, you know what that, like, those are the type of thing, the fan fictions I come up with. And it's like, yeah, I don't necessarily, you know, JK Rowling. I, again, that's another person like, my wife loves Harry Potter. So she, she's informing on what's going on. And it's like, okay, like that's her opinion. And she's entitled to have an opinion, even if I don't agree or she, or if I don't agree, if you don't agree, whoever doesn't agree, it doesn't matter. She's entitled to that opinion. Everyone's entitled to an opinion, but damn, I still love Harry Potter, bro. Like, yeah. And I can also choose to spend my money the way I want to. I don't have to buy anything else from her or anything else exactly. that she does. Exactly. Harry Potter's story is done. Yep, that's it. Allegedly. Allegedly. We'll see. Yeah. But, you know, the, the best part is done. I am very happy with the way it ended. I don't have to spend any more money to do anything more. And I can wish her the best in life and move on. And I think that's like, again, well, getting back to, to consequences in Dungeons and Dragons. Yep. Like, if the players have a falling out with the Count, the Count can do the same thing. Yeah. Okay. I'm done with you. I'm washed my hands, and you can go, and I'm not going to help you anymore. You've proven to me that you're not trustworthy. If you come into my territory again and say, we need help, I'm going to deny you. Or even better, if I see you coming into my territory you will not be greeted in kindness that can yeah. happen i i like the idea more of him just like yeah come spend your money at the taverns and you know mm-hmm. my 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 people in the land they need to pay their taxes and yep. your coin will will help them out on that but uh you're not welcome in my keep uh city guards watch them uh the hard thing is for the players to get that same mentality uh, and to comprehend it so yeah. you know, for them to be like yeah we don't like that guy anymore for the, them to be like okay we're just not going to help him well what does that mean does that mean you're not going to help the town or not going to help him yeah and then are you, you know, going to because if you you know are you also going to be that player that says oh he doesn't like us well screw him i'm gonna burn his keep to the ground and then you become a murder hobo. I, 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 there, there's lots of people in my life that I have, I, I have, I've learned to dislike from a distance, but I don't think I, I, I'm pretty sure I've never burned any of their houses down because they didn't like me. So why players get that idea to do so boggles my mind or, I don't Oh, know. yep. He said he wasn't going to give us the gem. Let's stab him. I'm like, Oh my God. <laughs> hey, give me your GI Joe. No, I'm going to stab you. And take <laughs> yeah, it. Oh no, God. You nailed it on. You, you nailed it, man. It's like, in the real world, if, if you were to say, hey, dude, I can't come over to help you build a deck. Well, I wouldn't sneak over and stab you because of that. Oh. Like, I'd say, okay, like, hey, man, I appreciate your time anyway. No problem. Like, and people forget that even in a video game and even in a role-playing game, we forget, hey, 
Like you don't just do that. Cause again, whether it's a good or bad or neutral consequence, you, that's just not an action that's done. And it's like, uh, oh man, again, back to Lord of the Rings. One of the best scenes was in two towers when Gandalf and the crew walked in and, uh, what was his name? The King of, uh, of Rohan. Theoden. Yeah. Theoden. He like, when he was like, you know, clearly being manipulated, clearly under a spell, like Gandalf could have been just like, fuck you, burn the building down. Ah, everyone's dead. But no, like his thing was like, no, I need to help this dude. Yep. You know? So it's like, you know, and again, if that's what you want to do it as a player or as the DM in that perspective of why doesn't the guy want to help? Is it because the characters are mouthing off or is that just kind of like a, the icing on the cake because of all these other things that are going on. Like, you know what? I'm not going to take people mouthing off anymore. I have to deal with my brat son who's trying to plot against me to have me assassinated to take my spot. Uh, my daughter has been kidnapped. And, you know, there are people out in the West being attacked by gnolls. Yeah. I don't have time for your shit. So take your attitude and fuck off. Yeah. You know? No, absolutely. And this is the thing. And, and actually, this is a good question to kind of curtail off into. If that's even a word. I get the concept. <laughs> Thank you. Um, <laughs> my English teacher of a wife is going to probably hear this and be like, dummy. But no. <laughs> she, she, no, she language works. evolves. Tell her that language evolves. That's right. I should. I should. Um, <laughs> how do you, as a dungeon master then, as a, prof- as, as a professional dungeon master, I was trying to put a little accent there. Yes. Um, but as a professional, how do you mitigate those things how do you because again a lot of players or a lot of folks listening to this may be new or veterans or what have you how do you mitigate those consequences so that it's not that so that it really resembles kind of that real world like hmm you know you're not going to go ahead and stab someone for doing this but you're also maybe not going to let them off like what are some of the steps that you take that you could share with folks it has to make sense okay now, again, in a, in a world where people fling magic and ride griffins, what you're doing, it has to make sense. For sure. If you, example, I had a, uh, a player who's playing a half-orc barbarian, and they are in a lumberjack town, and there's some kind of shady stuff going on. There's a main villain who's trying to do some stuff, part of a cult, and they know that people in the town know what's going on. So they go into the bar and the big lumberjack uh, is, is there that everybody respects and love. And so the half-orc's like, okay, I'm going to go up because I know he knows something. He's so well-liked, he has to know something. I'm like, that's a bit of a stretch, but go on. I'll, I'll give you enough rope to hang yourself with. What are you going to do? Yeah. I go up and I ask him a point blank in his face, where's the main villain? And he's like, uh, I don't know what you're talking about. No, you know. And I'm going to beat you up if you don't tell me. And this is a big mm-hmm. lumberjack dude. This is like a fifth level barbarian. The commoner lumberjack isn't going to be able to take him. Yeah. Yeah. Bar fight happens. What ensues after that? Well, this guy again is a big lumberjack dude. That's well liked in town. Mm-hmm. So the consequence is the people in town don't like this orc anymore. Now, the players have done enough stuff in town that they've gotten, like, some prestige. People like them. But now, whenever the orcs around, people are going to be a little bit more less likely to talk. You know, like, um, 
hey, can we stay at your house? You know, farmer, you know, we, we can't make it back home and the wolves are out. You know, uh, you can stay in my barn. Yeah. It's less safe, but it's a place, you know, or the, the Lord Mayor of the town, um, you know, hey, so you beat up one of my people that's one of the foremen at the, the lumber mill. Why? Oh, because he wouldn't tell us where the main villain is. Did you ask him? Yeah, he said he didn't know, but I know he knows. How do you know that? Okay, so you're beating up members of my town that I'm responsible for without proof. So who's the villain? Are you the villain? And just it just if you stress that kind of thing, and you do it through role play. Yeah. Um, the difference is when you're running a professional game uh, that's a bunch of like one-shots – which is essentially kind of what they are, unless it's a long-term game, you kind of have less time to really do that. So it's one of those like really on the fly, like, okay, you beat them up. Consequence people in the town don't want to talk to you anymore unless you do something to gain back their trust or apologize and build them a new house. Okay, well, we got enough gold, a hundred gold to build them a new barn or whatever he needs done and an apology from the orc that's public. Yep cool in a short-term game that's fine yeah you know but there has to be like you know they can't just go like you said murder hoboing and just go and beat up whoever they want because no one wants to i wouldn't want to live in that world (laughs) and as the person running that world i'm like oh this world's this world's a sad world you're a bad person uh i'm gonna go hire me some adventurers to come kick your ass because you're a jerk yep i mean that could even be the consequence hey yeah I'm going to, and that's how you bring in another party, right? That's where, that's where you where you bring real people and say, hey, you were, and, and actually that's kind of sneaky. I would love to use that. But oh, that, dude, it, it works, man. When the players get out of hand, like for stuff like that, just have the other adventures like, wait, you were giving us 50 gold to go kick those, you know, 10th level adventurers. But what did they do to you guys? Okay, we'll do it for free because that's a dick move. Yep. <laughs> it's it's lovely turning the players against one another but anyway with that being said man i really appreciate you coming on to the show again folks you can catch charles on uh, aloha dungeon crawl on instagram and i mean i know that you answer your dms so for folks i know you're probably you're also playing online as well you're offering those services correct yes sir awesome so for the folks who are interested in jumping into the mind of uh, of, of the of the renowned Hawaiian Gygax himself, <laughs> as he's been nicknamed. Um, I didn't come up with it. I didn't come up with it. No, he did not come up with that. That was actually a lot of us on Discord that were like, oh, dude, you're like Gygax, but you're Hawaiian. Boom, Hawaiian Gygax. We share the same birthday. That's my, my saving grace there. <laughs> hey, there you go. See, that solidifies the nickname. Yeah. So, like, so, folks, you know, be sure to follow uh, Charles on Instagram, DM him if you're ever interested in, in having a professional DM run your game. And or if you have any questions, I'm, I'm always too. open to help help you improve what you do because if it wasn't for all the DMs or the players out there, we wouldn't have a game. True, absolutely true. And I, like I said, I appreciate you, Charles, for being on oh, the dude. show. Mahalo, uh-huh. thank you so much for, uh, for having me on. I sincerely do appreciate it and the deepest like gratitude from my heart. Again, mahalo. Uh, uh, Hawaiian is a lot like Greek. It's more emotion in words than it is the actual word and all the gratitude uh, yeah, from, man, from me to you, brother. All the, all the love, man. I got you, bro. Like, 
Um, it, it's been an honor to have you. It's been great talking to you and chatting with you. And I know you're going to be back to chat and talk more for sure. Um, uh, folks, be sure to follow and uh, subscribe to the Bearded Nerd Media on Instagram and subscribe to the Bearded Nerd Podcast uh, wherever you're consuming podcasts and leave a five-star review because one, that makes that makes me know, or that allows me rather to know what y'all like and what you want to hear more of, but it also increases the likelihood of more D&D content to be exposed to the public. So it increases our, the awareness. So it, when you do, when you leave those comments and you leave um, those reviews, it actually spikes that algorithm to share D&D with the masses. So if you want to be sharing D&D to the masses and you want people to know about this beautiful hobby of ours and just get more people to know how cool D&D is, leave a five-star review. But anyway, we love you all. Be safe, especially during this time. And as always, keep gaming. Thank you.